0: Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silver Ranch in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And uh, we, we just love being a place that is surrounded by God's beautiful creation uh, to provide opportunities for people like you to come and unplug from the busyness of life and to enjoy doing fun, experiencing fun in God's creation together with other people. That's really what we're hoping to do is to, is to provide a space and a place to do that. Um, so if you've been here before, that's awesome. We encourage you to come back. If you've never been here before, I encourage you to head over to Silber Ranch.org and you can check out all the various retreat options. We do um, mother-daughter, father-son, father-daughter. We do family camps, both during the winter and the fall. We do specialty camps. We do men's retreats, women's retreats, and we do youth camps. And we even do kind of create your own things. You know, we have another property location just down the road from main camp SilverBirch called Wolfer Refuge. And it's a perfect place to get your small group, your life group together. Um, there's small cabins and a great space. It's beautiful. And all of it is is creating an opportunity for you, like I said, to get away from the distractions, to put down the phones, and to have fun together. And everybody loves it. Why? Because it's something that we don't do that much anymore of. And so I encourage you, head over to Silver Ranch in Oregon, check out all the opportunities. We'd love to host you here. Um, and actually, uh, you know, sign up for summer camp too. Registration's open. And so uh, if you want to come and join us for the summer, when it's for, whether it's for youth camp or family camp, check it out.
1: That's right. We like to say that we could go to somewhere where you challenge, change your place, change your pace, and challenge your perspective. And Silverbird Ranch, Wolf River Refuge, Nicolet Bible Institute, we do that. Yeah. So we encourage you to get out of your norm at least a couple times a year and go look at life through a different lens and uh, hopefully the changing of your place and the changing of your pace will help you challenge that perspective. You know, as I look at our nation, we've been talking about our nation being in a mess, and my perspective is simple. I think just like when we ignore God, we ignore the fundamentals of life (laughs) because God is the fundamental of life, whether we like it or not. He's the one that created us. If we don't go to God, if we want to think he doesn't exist, and we don't go to him to figure out how we're supposed to live, then we'll probably be wrong in how we live. And then we're trying to be fulfilled by living a life that doesn't make any sense because it's not in the context of the way we were made. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's a trouble. I also think as a nation, we should acknowledge the things in this nation that made us a great nation.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And we are. We have been a great nation. But right now, we're not feeling that and we're not seeing it. Because we we seem to be a nation that's turning from God. And our original intentions from our founding fathers was really to be a nation that was under God. Uh, Even though that came in, that saying actually came in under Eisenhower, I believe. Let me read Psalm 33, 10 to 12 to you. It says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Let me go through verse 12 again. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Whenever I'm asked now by any young person, when they're, they're thinking of the hopelessness of our government right now and the way things are put together, and they say, what, where's the hope? And I say, well, the real hope is that you and I know God. Yeah, And we walk with God and understand who he is. And our founding fathers understood that. And they founded a nation based on some absolute principles. And today, with the the separation of church and state, we're getting that all messed up mm-hmm. in, in many respects. Um, and really, when you look at it, you can't separate what you believe in life from life. No. You can't do it.
0: No, you can't. And people that think you can... It- they don't get it.
1: No. So when I hear a politician say, you know, I'm a Christian, I believe in the Bible, but it won't affect my decisions, I think, well, then you don't know the Bible and I don't even know if you're a Christian. Right. Because these things should affect your decision-making process. Mm-hmm. If I were cursed to be the president of the United States, yeah. and I say that with kind of a joke, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like I wouldn't want that job. Yeah. I, I and, and people are saying, what would you do? I'd say, you know, I would probably need to spend at least quarter to half of my day in prayer
0: yeah just trying
1: to figure out what to do there are so many things that a president has to do and there's so many ramifications to his decisions and immediately for some odd reason I think that would disqualify me for being a president in the United States of America because I'm saying first thing i'm going to do is pray and ask God to give me wisdom yeah does that seem fair does it seem right it doesn't seem
0: right but you know if you were to have said that forty years ago I think it would have been fine
1: oh it would have been you know. let, let me read some, just to put it in perspective, there there are some presidents who gave speeches. Yeah. And in their speeches... Actually, um, all presidents give speeches. They do think. all give speeches. Sorry. But these <laughs> specifically mention God in them. And, and for somebody to say that the United States of America is not a Christian nation, is not founded on the Bible, and is not founded on biblical premises, I think they need to go back and look at history. I think they're ignoring part of history. Yeah, um in fact i would encourage you and i don't have him listed here because i was looking at presidents but go look at the first chief justice of the supreme court john jay go look at his life Mm. and you'll find a guy who loved god it was a you'll just find you can research it and see what he was about yeah but god was a very important part of his life in lincoln's farewell address to springfield illinois now remember he came became president came out of springfield 1861 he said my friends No one, not in my situation, can appreciate my feelings of sadness at this parting. To this place and kindness of people, I owe everything. Here I have lived a quarter of a century and have passed from a young to an old man. Here my children have been born and one is buried. I now leave not knowing when or whether ever I may return, with the task before me greater than that which rested upon Washington. Without the assistance of the divine being, without the assistance of God, He's very clear to say, whoever attended him, I cannot succeed. With that assistance, I cannot fail. Yeah. So Lincoln right away, as he's leaving, going to Washington, D.C., he's saying, you know, I need God to intervene. And if I don't have him intervene, I'm going to lose. I'm going to fail. Yeah. Yeah. Now he goes on to say, trusting in him who can go with me and remain with you and be everywhere for good, let us confidently hope that all will be yet very well. To his care, commending you, as I hope in your prayers you will commend me, I bid you an affectionate farewell. That was full of God talk. Mm -hmm. And obviously, uh, Abraham Lincoln is still known as one of the great leaders of our time, yeah. who was able to take on the challenge of slavery and say it was evil, mm-hmm. and he's a guy that they called upon the name of the Lord. The Gettysburg Address, 1863. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of war, the world will note nor long remember what we say here but it can never forget what they did here it is for us the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they fought here to thus far so nobly advanced it is rather for us it is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause which they gave their last full measure of devotion, that we were highly resolved, that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation, comma, under God, comma, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people by the people and for the people shall not perish from the earth. In other words, he again made sure to put the idea of under God in his speech, and this is a, a, one of those that is just well known. A letter from Lincoln to a a mom who lost kids in the war. Mm -hmm. In fact, I believe she lost four young men in the war. And he wrote this. It's to Mrs. Bixby. Dear Madam, he said, You have been shown the files of the War Department, a statement of Adjunct General of Massachusetts, that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any words of mine which should attempt to beguile you from the grief of the loss that is so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering to you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the Republic as they died to save. I pray, listen to what he says, I pray that our Heavenly Father may assage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost and the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully, A. Lincoln. Remember he said here, I pray that our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln often used references to God. And uh, to to for us as a nation to now say there is no God yeah. is ridiculous. I'm wondering if your kids, your kids are going to school. Yep. Do they get to read history? Do they get to see what these founding fathers even said?
0: I sure hope so. I know at our, at least the school they go to, they still s- say the Pledge of Allegiance. Okay. Which says, "Under God." Yeah. I know there's some schools probably that don't do that anymore, but at least ours does.
1: Yeah. But. Well, it's interesting as you go on, you you get guys like Brian Franklin, and I've got a real long speech that so I want to read to him. Yeah. But Ben Franklin went on, and he he talked about the divine, and 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 how if he didn't. You know, intervene. We're in trouble. Alexander Hamilton said, "For my own part, I sincerely esteem it a system which, without the finger of God, never could have been suggested and agreed upon by such a diversity of interests." Yeah, and that's the that, and that's the thing.
0: Like, if you if you've ever looked into history, especially at how our nation was formed, all the people that signed, you know, the Declaration of Independence and worked on the Constitution, if you really do your research. You know, they were all pretty much on the same page about this.
1: They were they were at least deists. Yes. Now, now you know, people can argue whether somebody's a Christian or not. I have right. no idea. And right. We wouldn't know that. But they, they made it very clear that without the absolutes, right, there is no way to have a nation like the United States of America. There has to be absolutes. Absolutely. And that's why when you start changing the definitions of things, you change the absolutes.
0: You know, and I haven't done a study on this, but if I bet I were to look, I'd probably say that if you look at all the changes that were made to the original constitution and the laws that were added since its inception, it would probably be exponentially more in the last 40 years Yes. than than the 200 and whatever, three, oh, how many, I don't know, whatever the math is. Yep. Yeah. Then, you know, and that I feel like that says something because the more that we have moved away from absolutes, the more that we... That we have to change, change the line, change the bar, change the the roadmap. Right. You know, whereas it never had to be done before. Why? Because it was based on absolute.
1: Right. You go, you know, if you look in the scriptures, you see things that right from the beginning God condemned murder. Yeah. So that's an absolute. Yeah. There's there's no murder. He can he can he condemned the idea of of lust. Actually, in other words, trying to use people rather than love people. Yeah. He he condemned that. So all the way from the beginning, there are these absolutes that have been put, put forth, and, and society can take them. Now what we do, because we dilute the the meaning that's in the Bible, then we have to come up with laws that support whatever we want. Uh, for example, the the idea of, of family, which now what does family actually mean? Now they have to go through and try and make a, a law concerning what family is when the Bible's already done that. Right. We already understand what, what God defines family as. Now, you might say, well, it discriminates against me. Well, it, if you're not living according to the way it's supposed to be, I guess it does. Yeah. And that's really your choice. I'm not forcing you to believe like I believe. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that the Bible was a very important part of our founding father's thought process and gave us the definitions of life, the way that we live them today. When you start living apart from that, you've got to come up with your own. Now, I... For example, when somebody murders another person, there are really two categories that that they fall into. Either they premeditated that murder and something happened, you know, because they hated the person or whatever. Or they were involved in a chainsaw accident and killed him accidentally or something. I I have no idea. Right. But but one is an accident and one is not an accident. And the Bible differentiates between that. Mm -hmm. It says if it's not an accident, if it's murder, it's wrong. Yeah. Now, we can go through and say, oh, it's real wrong. I mean, it's really, really wrong. Well, it's wrong if it's murder. Mm-hmm. And and so what we've done, we've come up with new terms, like it's hate crimes or whatever. I'm, when I was a kid even, and they were talking about this must have been a hate crime, I thought, isn't all murder a hate crime? Yeah. How can you get, how can you identify something as more hate mm. than that when it's already hate? Yeah. And I, from time I was young, I thought, I don't understand how they do things. I don't understand why we need to keep redefining things because I already understood that murder is wrong. I mean, God told me murder was wrong. Mm -hmm. God tells us that marriage is between one man and one woman and, and, and they commit to each other for life. God's word tells me as a child growing up, you know, I'm I'm supposed to listen to my parents and obey them and honor them. These are things that bring stability to a nation, Mm -hmm. not chaos. Yeah. And once again, once chaos is brought to a nation, there, there's there's nothing that can be done. I don't know. You and I have experienced certain kinds of stores before that we've gone into. Yeah. And there are certain kinds of stores that you go into and everything's well organized. If you need a gallon of milk, you know exactly where it's at. Yep. And there are some that are not so well organized. That's
0: true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And now, it's chaos. <laughs> I, I have gone into the store where it's not so well organized and you really don't buy anything. No. And eventually you go. I don't even know what is in here.
0: Yeah. you know, it's a, Is it even worth my time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, what, what's interesting is when, when everything in the world gets thrown into the same pile, mm-hmm. it's just confusing. Yeah. It doesn't bring any clarity to anybody. It doesn't help families. It doesn't help individuals. And God makes things very clear. In the beginning, he tells us God. Yeah. Not in the beginning, Dave, not in the beginning, Jason, your name in there, but in the beginning, God. And he created people. He created the universe. And we would be very wise to go back and see how he did it and what expectations we would have within the context of the creation. Likewise, the United States of America was founded by founding fathers. Mm -hmm. You would be wise for going back and finding why they founded it, how they founded it, what basic ideas came up on the, the Constitution. Um, I would encourage if you want to know some Christian history, go to an organization called Wall Builders. Wall Builders, I believe, dot hmm. And type that into your computer and go back there and just see the research they have. Or your smartphone. Have. Or your smartphone or whatever else you get out <laughs> and, and do that. Because you you can go, it, all the quotes that I, that I came up with and even more that I have a, a list that seems endless, comes from the wall builders, where they've gone and they've researched the actual documents, what presidents said, how things came to be. And it's amazing how God is the center of the early part of our life. Andrew Jackson, President Andrew Jackson once said, the Bible is the rock on which our republic rests.
0: Mm.
1: Now, can you imagine uh, uh, the president of the United States today getting up and saying that? No, I can't. No, you know. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said the Bible is the the best gift God's given to men. Hmm. Again, a president saying this is, uh, now, of course, you need to know what the Bible actually says in order for uh, you to find out it's the best gift that ever was given. Uh, Woodrow Wilson said America was born to exemplify that devotion to elements of righteousness, which are derived from the revelation of the Holy Scriptures. Hmm. A president said that. Herbert Hoover said, American life is builded and can alone survive upon the fundamental philosophy announced by the Savior 19 centuries ago. This is not said by a preacher. Mm-mm. It's said by somebody in normal uh, society. Uh, President Eisenhower said, religious faith is the foundation of free government. And he's right said, this relationship between spiritual faith and religious faith and our former government is so clearly defined and so obvious that we should really not need to identify a man as unusual because he recognizes it. Uh, I believe Eisenhower is the one that came up with in God, we trust on the money. I'm not sure about that, but I believe oh, he's the one who did interesting. that. <clears throat> yeah, And of course, Ronald Reagan was somebody who talked about the Bible and God often. Um, but here's what I think our country's at in Malachi the third chapter 13 verses 13 to 15 says your words have been hard against me says the Lord but you say how have we spoken against you you have said it is vain to serve God what is profit what is the profit of our keeping the charge or walking as mourning before the Lord of hosts and how are we called arrogant and how, now that we call arrogant, blessed, evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. What's happening in the book of Malachi, and I would encourage our listeners to go read it, is people are saying, we're not that bad. Mm. How are we bad? You're bad because you don't really know who God is. You don't live your life according to who God is. And therefore, you can't live according to the way it's intended to be. I would say on a very simple and scientific level, if you want to call it that, there's ways things are meant to be. Yep. And if you want to live apart from the way it's meant to be, then you can expect all kinds of trouble and anxiety and depression and anger and struggles because you're not living according to the way it's supposed to be. If you are are looking for food, you're hungry, and and you try and fulfill your hunger by, you know, trying to... um, you know watch a movie like we said the last program it's not going to happen mm-hmm. the reason you're hungry is because you need food in your stomach not because you need to watch a movie yeah but I, I i can try and satisfy my hunger through that no hunger isn't satisfied that way and it doesn't even make sense when i say it right but yet we try and do that in life we try and live our life according to things that don't make any sense at all but we want to insist that they make sense and so now we have young people that don't know what gender they are. We have people trying to figure out what marriage is, and there are people trying to figure out what good and bad are. Right. Well, those things are already defined. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think if I had sons your age, uh, Jason, I would constantly be talking to them about the way things were meant to be, whether they be in the house, little things. Like, how is a vacuum meant to work? Yeah. You put it in the bathtub? No. No. Why not? And I would ask them that Mm -hmm. because to grow up with the idea that, no, that would be silly because it's not made for that. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? It's not made for that. So you can't use it for that. Right. So how many times can you get that into your three boys heads that there's there's certain things that are made for certain purposes, certain purposes? And and just to where eventually they roll their eyes because they know where you're going the minute you open your mouth. You know, we're cooking something in the oven. You know, can we can we use the oven to crawl into and go to sleep in? No. Okay. Now you may want to wait till your boys are a little older before you yeah. suggest that, because that may be a joke that they play on each to other. To make sure that they don't fit in the oven before yeah, you use that illustration. Yeah, you know, make sure they don't fit there. But but again, I think I think if we would commit ourselves to just trying to find simple truth, opening the Bible and reading to our kids simple things like right from Genesis. And we say, in the beginning, God. Then we stop and we look at our kids and say, wow, there was a beginning. I wasn't there. Were you there? No. Who was there? God. Wow, that's. So he knows Mm -hmm. because he was there. In the beginning, God. And what did he do? He created. So now, all of a sudden, all you are is talking about things that are very obvious to your children. You're not even you're not digging in, trying to figure out all the the mysteries of life. You're talking, this is obvious. Yeah. In the beginning, God He created the heavens and the earth. Then, when you start talking about well, you know, God made male and female. God made family. Mm-hmm. God God made it. You know, Cain and Abel, not good. The murder thing, not the way it should be. It didn't work out well. Yeah. Let's take a look at the life of Noah. You know, why did God ask them to build a boat? Because people were trying to live outside the context of the way they were meant to be. Mm-hmm. And no matter where we go today, if we take away the idea of there's a way it's meant to be, we're going to be in trouble. And perhaps this started many years ago when we started to stop differentiating between winning and losing. And and even grades in school where kids were just passed no matter what. It didn't mm. matter what they did. Or, yeah. Or or even the obsession that our culture has right now with trying to find their identity. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why are you so busy looking for your identity? I know what it is. You're either a child of God or you're not. Yeah. My identity, I'm a child of the king. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, that's, fit. no, I'm a child of the king and the king has a plan for me and the reason I was created, he actually knew me in my mother's womb. Now, these are things that are absolutes that I find in the Bible that allow me to not actually be anxious and depressed. Instead, I can get up every day and look for the reason I'm here. So I'm looking for, why am I, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Because God, you still have a purpose for me. Yeah. For those that get up in the morning and go, I don't know what my purpose is. Used to be, my generation, I'm younger. It used to be the purpose for a, a man getting up in the morning was to go to work. Yeah. A lot of, of ladies got up, took care of the family, or they went to work. But that was their purpose. But if you look at the surveys today, work isn't cutting it.
0: No, no.
1: People don't want to go to work. So why get up in the morning if you don't want to go to work?
0: Some people just want to keep sleeping.
1: But how do you actually take care of life? What if you were meant to work? Yeah. And you are, by the way. Yeah. And you look at your body, and you realize you're meant to exercise, not just sit and do nothing. There's certain things you're meant to do. The other day, you caught me. We have a an office that has three floors in it. Mm-hmm. And I was, you caught me going up and down the stairs. And I did. A, there's a bathroom all the way downstairs. Yeah. Well, there's a bathroom on every level. There's a bathroom on every level, and I was going all the way downstairs to go to the bathroom, and coming back up, and you caught me, and it was like, "What are you doing that for?" Well. To just get my legs to work. That's right. Keep because, the blood flowing. Yeah, it's important that I do things every day to keep things moving the direction they should. And exercise allows the muscles to be what they should and grow, you know, sitting all day in a chair is not what I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. However, to be honest with you, I like sitting. In fact, I like laying on a couch. Mm-hmm. I like eating ice cream laying on a couch and having a side of donuts. (laughs) You know, I mean, I I could go on. Oh, yeah. However, I don't want to clean up or anything. I just want to eat the donuts and the ice cream and lay on the couch. Yeah. See, that doesn't accomplish anything, though. Mm -hmm. And it gets old after a while. So I think it's important for us to, to, as a society to understand, first of all, our nation was founded by godly individuals. Mm -hmm. They believe in God. And if we get away from that, the foundational bricks of our culture – are being ripped right out yeah and once enough foundational bricks are ripped out, it collapses it collapses there's no way to stop it so we need to be a, a nation that acknowledges God or we're going to be in trouble we will not exist as a nation if we don't and, and uh, that's my challenge to the young people that are listening get into the Bible, acknowledge God check out history wallbuilders.org and uh, see for yourself. The importance of God in the very creation of this nation that we live in.
0: Yeah, and and take the effort to do the research, or yeah. take the effort to 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 read the Bible to get to know God. Don't just take somebody else's word for it, um, because there is a God who loves you Absolutely. and wants to be in relationship with you. And if you haven't heard us say that, you know, I'm going to say it again. And so, if you're listening today and you felt like you've been abandoned by God or left by God, you know, I, I encourage you to to pick up your Bible and start reading, because there's a God out there that loves you and gave his only son for you and wants to be in relationship with you. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today on Younger and Older. I encourage you to head over to or to re-listen to this podcast and others. But for now, this is Jason and Dave on Younger and Older. Take care. See you next time. Bye-bye.